Well, praise the Lord. Amen. I tell you, thank you, Brother West, for a great job. And you know what's glorious around here is we've got, I don't know, three, four, five of guys who can do the same thing and have did, uh, done the same thing. We could save a lot of money. <laughs> Brother Case could get a raise. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We miss Aaron when he's gone. But I tell you, I praise the Lord for the men of God that he's put in our midst that do a tremendous job. I tell you, how wonderful. Turn, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. It's great to see you here today. And uh, I trust that God's going to speak to your heart in a special way. I want to encourage you. Be praying for this bucket offering. Uh, if there's one thing we've learned going through 2 Kings, or I hope we've learned, is that God is a God of miracles. But he expects us to do what we can also on the way to those miracles. That's like the little woman with the pot of oil. She had a little pot of oil, but he wanted her to be a part of it. And because of her little pot and her faithfulness, God continued to multiply that oil. How about the axe head? Uh, just wasn't floating. That dude was swimming is what the Bible says. I've never seen an axe head swim. I've never seen one float. Uh, and yet God didn't just throw that axe head up and then put it on that handle. He said, you reach out and get it. You do your part. God wants us to do our part. And I tell you, I believe God will come through and do his part. So I'm excited about these next few weeks, and uh, it's going to be glorious. Uh, beginning in verse 3, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit still here, we're going to die also. Now, therefore, come, let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, <laughs> we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has done hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight, left their tents, their horses, their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment, went and hid it, came again, entered into another tent, carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. Father, thank you this morning. Lord, have mercy. We need that fresh anointing. Now, I pray your spirit would have control. Lord, I pray you'd cleanse me, that God, people would not see me or hear me, but they would see you and hear you. 
that, Lord, we'd not just hear you, but, Father, we'd say we're going to obey you. Even before we know, some folk in here already know what they need to do, but there are others that came in and have no idea what you've got for them in life. And I pray today, even before we know it, we'd say, yes, Lord Jesus, yes, whatever you want. Let your will be done and your way be accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Will you get up and try, or are you going to just sit here and die? Mayo Clinic conducted a study of a disorder that affects most Americans. It's known as a sitting disease. Uh, 50 to 70% of Americans sit more than six hours a day. 20 to 35 of Americans percent spend more than four hours a day watching television. And the study reveals that those that suffer from the sitting disease, it literally takes years off of their life. If you, a person, sits for eight hours a day, you've got a 15% chance better of dying in the next three years. If you sit 10 hours a day, you've got a 40% chance of dying in the next three years. A person who limits his sitting to more or less than three hours a day can increase their age by four years. Now, brothers, I don't know about you, but you women need to understand that we need three hours at least. Amen? I mean, you know, <laughs> Dr. James Levine concluded this in that study, saying the body is designed for movement. If you stop movement, it crumbles on every level. I want to submit to you this morning, there's a lot of churches that's got this same disease. It's called the sitting disease. And they're sitting and they're content and they're happy and, and, and uh, we, we got a meal and we come to church and we got a good staff and we, we're paying the bills and everything. Let's just sit down and praise the Lord. There are a lot of folks sitting down in regard to their sin. They won't heed the conviction of the Holy Ghost and get right with God. And I would tell you, I'll just be honest with you, I see it week in and week out that in a service of God where the Holy Spirit is present, do you believe the Holy Spirit's in this place this morning? In a service like this, when you sense the Holy Spirit is present and God tells you to do something and you do it, and then you wait and let the devil talk to you all night with everybody else, and you talk yourself out of it the next day, I submit to you that you're not listening to God. You, you better listen when God is speaking through the Holy Spirit. That's when you need to listen to God. A lot of folk giving counsel ain't got no business giving counsel. A lot of people sitting in regard to their salvation. I would remind you this morning... Uh, we believe as a family of God that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't think God's chosen some of you to be saved and some of you to go to hell. I think he's chosen it's not his will any perish but all come to life. Now you have to make that choice whether you're going to sit here and die or whether you're going to get up and follow Christ. But I remind you that salvation is a whosoever will, not a whensoever will. If the Holy Spirit is moving you today, Genesis says, my spirit will not always strive with man's spirit. He's not always going to move you. But if he's moving you today, I want to tell you the day of your salvation is today. 
There's a lot of folks sitting in service. Hmm. I'd have, oh, I better not go there. Well, all right, you, can, you convinced me. Out of, out of seven, eight hundred people here, and we sign up back here for ministry teams. We've only got ten of them. We, we can't get 50 names. Now, I know you're saying, preacher, anytime you need me, call me. I know you're lying. <laughs> Every time I call you, you got something else you're doing. I, I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, you know what I was proud of this week? Over at Mason Creek, they put on a block party out at Cornerstone Trailer Park yesterday. And I'm telling you, I, almost every person in that church was out there serving. They were I, whew, little old kids running up to them old people, throwing their arms around them and everything. Listen, you don't get too old to serve the Lord. Don't sit down and do nothing. The least you could do is just walk, smile at somebody. Then there's a lot of folks sitting in their situations. Today, these last two years, there have been more pastors given up and quit. More staff members said, I've had all I can have. I'm not doing anymore. A lot of it is COVID and the joke of COVID. I know it's a serious thing, but it's amazing to me how all of a sudden with no different evidence or anything else, suddenly we can announce that COVID's over with. You can take everything down and move on. Brother, we've been moving on for the last two years. But there's a lot of people that have given up. And I talk with pastors and, 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 and they say, look, my family's being harassed. I talked with one this week that they wrote filthy language on his garage door with spray paint. All in the name of Jesus. Mm. Well, in 2 Kings here, they're in a bad day. It's bad. I mean, outside the camp, surrounding Samaria there, is the Syrian army. And Benadad, he, he was a lot worse than Putin is. There was no army general any more coercive and mean and evil than Benadad. He's got the camp surrounded. No food is getting in. No water's getting in. Nothing can get in or out. They're literally, and it's no better inside the camp. They're starving to death. The famine's there. They can't get anything to eat or drink. You say, how bad is it, preacher? Well, we don't have time this morning, but if you go back, you'll find that a lady comes to the king all mad and distraught and angry, and he said, what's wrong? How can I help you? She said, I made a covenant with a lady yesterday. I made a commitment that we would take my child yesterday and boil him and eat him. And then today, we would take her child and boil him and eat him. And she said, I went through on my part, but we can't find her. That's how bad it was. Cannibalism. Wow. You're talking about famine in the land and the enemy on the attack and the king is highly upset and here's a man of God just listening to God. He's already told him in verse 1, we didn't read it, but he said, this time tomorrow, bread going to be plentiful. You're going to be able to buy a loaf of bread for a shekel. And one of his hot rods on that cabinet staff, <laughs> if heaven opened up its windows, 
That ain't going to happen. And he said, sir, you're going to see it happen, but you're not going to taste it. I wonder how many times we've mocked God and said, God, that ain't going to happen. I, I thought about poor old Moses. I mean, I know he, did, he disobeyed God, but my soul, have you never disobeyed God? If I had to lead three million Jews around in a desert for 40 years, I'd have probably took a jackhammer to that rock. Huh? But because he didn't do what God said do, he brought him up and said, Moses, you see it, you're going to get to see it, but you're not going to get to go in. Mm. As bad as the days were, with all of the famine and the attack and the cannibalism and the division and the stress, there's four men that's got leprosy that says, hey, it's a good day. It's a day of good tidings is what the Scripture says. How do you have a good day of great tidings in the midst of all the bad going around you? There's only one answer. Almighty God. There is no other answer. You cannot, you cannot come up with another concrete answer. There is no answer. Now, as we think about that, and if it is so good, and it is, and it is so great, and it is, if it's so grand and so glorious, it, it, they said, listen, it's so good, we better not keep this to ourselves. We, 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 it's too good not to tell somebody. Somebody else needs to know about this. And listen, the same thing happens here in America today in this church. If Jesus is so good, and we say he is, and he is, if salvation is so wonderful, and it is, if following God is so wonderful and rewarding, and it is, don't you think we ought to tell somebody? We, we do not well to sit here in wonderful, beautiful places with plenty and then not tell. We live in the United States of America. We've got, look at your money. You got any? Look at it there. You hadn't bought no gas this week. It's got in God we trust. In God we trust. I mean, this is the land of the free. This is the home of the brave. We wake up daily, though, to news where a husband kills his wife and children and parents, where a lady last week killed her son because the devil told her to do it. 20 people shot here, 15 shot here, another murder, another shooting, bigotry, immorality, idolatry. It don't take much sense. It doesn't take much reading the news or web serving to realize that we're living in bad days. These are bad days. Now, they didn't just start being bad a year ago. They've been bad since Adam and Eve. They've been bad since Adam ate the fruit and Eve. I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for a move of God. I'm praying that God would show up. I, I man, have mercy. And yet in the midst of it, there looks like there's sin on every hand. Devil's got a hold of marriages. Young people acting like they don't have any sense. Immorality increasing daily. Homosexuality and all those things and transgender things. 
I read Dear Abby every day, right after I read my Bible, most of the time. This was in the paper this week. Some of you read it. For most, and I'm not making fun of this. Listen to me. I'm just telling you this is where we are as a nation in America today. For most of my life, I felt uncomfortable in my own body. It seemed as though my right arm belonged to someone else. I have decided to have it amputated, and I'm trying to find the best way to tell my family I'd appreciate your suggestions. If somebody would have told your mom and daddy that 30 years ago, you wouldn't have needed it amputated. <laughs> but Abby writes back, there's a name. It's called Body Integrity Identity Disorder. Did you know that? I'm not making fun of this. I'm just telling you, we have created ourselves so stressed out in so many diseases, and the devil has so much control of us that literally everything's a new thing thought up every day. But as bad as the days are, I'm having a good day. As many people are starving today, I'm full. My wife made dinner last night. You say, well, I said, well, I'm just telling you, I praise God. My wife made dinner last night. Some of y'all can't say that. I'm eating good. I'm fellowshipping with God. I'm reading the Word of God. There's a lot of people missing out on what God's doing, but praise God, my cup's running over. There's a lot of people this morning saying, the church is irrelevant. Shut it down. I'm saying, praise God, let's build some more. Let's go forward. I'm having a good time serving the Lord, reading the Bible, and being married. I'm having a great time. I'm having a great time with my grandkids. We had them yesterday. I took them out to the uh, uh, block party. I, Becky said last night, you go in there and soak in the hot tub and just in the bathtub, just hot water, and I went in there to do it. But she had given Charlie a bath before. <laughs> and I'm not lying to you. I'm telling the truth. The dirt was a quarter inch thick all over the bottom of that bathtub. <laughs> I am not lying to you. I didn't even clean it out. I just said, all right, Lord, I'm yours. Wow. But, but, but listen, even though I'm having a good time and you're having a good time, the majority of this world has never experienced the love of Jesus Christ. The majority of this world has never uh, experienced the comfort of the Holy Spirit when nothing else can comfort you. Man, I'll tell you, the peace that passeth understanding. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem we got. Somebody, somebody in this place, somebody here today has got to say, we do not well. God's been too good to us. He's blessed us. We, we ain't doing right. We need to tell somebody. We need to share. We've kept it to ourselves long enough going to work with people who don't know Christ, and yet we've never mentioned Jesus. Family reunions with cousins and aunts. 
He said, Preacher, my family, those cousins, hey, I know what you're talking about. But those crazy cousins need Jesus. Young people cramming pizza down their mouths at lunch, and yet no one's ever shared with them the bread of life. We're around people that's clutching on to alcohol and drugs and smoking weed and cocaine, and, and we've kept it to ourselves. We've got to wake up to reality. Somebody got to tell somebody. I thank God for the ministries of this church. I thank God for our young people. Man, you, I, there, no one loves y'all more than me. I love you. I thank God for our Celebrate Recovery. Man, I, I tell you, I loved them back 11 years ago, 12, whatever it was, and I love them today too. Are they always neat and clean and everything perfect? No, but you ain't either. We're all in this thing together. These four kings, these four lepers in 2 Kings 7 are faced with this same question. Are we going to get up and try something or are we going to just sit here and die? Let me give you three things and I'm through. Woo, I got 11 minutes. Three things. The reality they faced. This stuff's real. Man, they've got a situation. The kings uh, surrounded them of Syria. Outside there was plenty. Inside there's poverty. Outside there was determination. They're going to wipe them out. Inside there was desperation. Outside there was resources. Inside there was ruin. And against all of these hopeless situations, these four men sitting there, not really on the inside and not really on the outside. Verse 3 says they were at the entrance of the gate. Couldn't make up their mind. Am I going to go inside or am I going to go outside? If I go inside, they're starving to death in there. Nobody wants nothing to do with us. We're lepers. If we sit right here, we're going to die. That's a sure thing. So why don't we just go ahead and go to the Syrians? And maybe they'll let us live. If they do, praise God. If they don't, they'll kill us. What have we got to lose? Now, I'm looking at it practically. I, I don't like pain. I don't like suffering and pain. I, I'd rather be taking my shot at the Syrians and maybe somebody would throw an arrow through me or a spear and I'll die just like that. I, I Man, to sit there and starve to death, that's got to be a tragic thing. And then the, parents are now watching their children starve literally to death. And then, you know, you say, well, preacher, we've got it rough. I looked last night at a picture in the subway of the Ukraine there. There were seven babies in one bed. Three of them had their head up, three were asleep, and I thought, that's how it's going to work. They're going to take turns all night long. They'll wake each other up. It's a hopeless situation. Four of them there. And, and they had leprosy. They, they're financially bankrupt. They're socially belittled. People are making fun of them. They were physically broken. There's not one thing they can do to help themselves. That's where we were. And many are still there. Leprosy in the Word of God represents sin. And we were lost in sin on our way to a destructive place called hell. And the Lord Jesus Christ picked us up and stood us on solid ground. And I want to tell you something. If you're on your way to hell this morning and you're without Christ, there's not one cotton-picking thing you can do about it. Not one thing. 
You can't save yourself. You can't give enough money. You can't join enough churches. You can't be baptized enough. You can't, uh, you can't teach enough or sing enough. Not a thing you can do except surrender and come to Jesus. That's it. That's all they can do. But they say, look, why don't we get up and go and try? Bless God, we're going to die right here. I remember a day when I was in that situation. They took a risk. They're at a crossroads. There's no hope. And, and they can't provide help for themselves. It's a matter of life and death. They're surrounded by despair and disease and death. There's no help. There's no hope. Could I tell you, as long as you're breathing, you've got hope? Don't sit here and tell me this morning you don't have no hope. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on his name. Don't tell me you don't have hope when there's still the word of God. And according to this word, it's settled in heaven, and ain't nobody going to destroy it for all of eternity. Don't tell me you don't have hope when you're sitting in a congregation of people that love God and want to encourage you. This is one of the most encouraging churches I've been in, in my life. You're, you can't, you're not out of place here. You say, I came in this morning. I didn't have the right clothes. There are no right clothes. Well, you wear a tie and coat. Yeah, it's because they'll fire me if I don't. <laughs> I know these guys here. You, 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 you say, well, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't come from the right now. I don't care what neighborhood you came from. I don't care what status you are. None of that makes any difference. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. It's a critical decision, and it's a critical decision for you because life is short. Just like Tammy said. I remember several years ago in a revival, same thing happened. Basically, a lady recommitted her life in Hemp Hill and loved the Lord, got in her car and drove straight out into a ditch. And they all run out there and thought she had missed the drive. She was dead. Had a heart attack and died right there. Mm. I went to a funeral Friday, one of my dearest loved him brother Prentice McGee when nobody else would trust you Prentice always trusted you and loved you always grabbed me and kissed me on the head he said keep that thing shaved so I don't have to kiss your hair <laughs> brother Prentice they asked him he, he always was whistling singing or humming everywhere he went it would be aggravating Ain't Estime used to do that. She would hum. Hmm. I'm trying to listen to gospel. You. Hmm. Someone asked him one time why. And, and listen, uh, his brother got up and gave a, a, a testimony about him humming. They would travel to 750 miles to Nashville, and and uh, Prentice would start out, uh, "What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see." What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. What a day that will be. <laughs> 750 miles. What a day that will be. And they asked Prince, why are you always humming or always singing or always uh, whistling? And he said this. Someone had told him years ago that as much as you can hum and sing and whistle about the things of God, it keeps the devil off your mind. I thought, wow, that's a pretty good, pretty good thing to do. Whatever your situation is, I'm telling you, 
Your worry is not helping. Your rationale is not helping. Listen, you, you can't fix it. You came in here this morning, you can't fix it. You can't solve it. You can't meet it. You can't answer it. You say, how do you know that? Because if you could, you would have already done it. You can't do it. There's only one who can do it, and that's our Lord. Then let me give you the reward. Hallelujah. These four lepers, they made their decision. Even if the Syrians kill us, better to die quickly than to die slowly. Uh, can you imagine every step going toward that Syrian camp, thinking at any moment an arrow was going to pierce them, or a spear was going to pierce them, or somebody was going to jump out from behind a bush and kill them instantly like that, all the way to that camp. And they get there to that camp, and ain't nobody there. Ain't nobody there. Now, God's already whipped the Moabites, remember, by sight. And now he's whipping the Syrians by sound. <laughs> there ain't no chariots out there. Oh, yeah, there are. We heard them. I'm telling you, there's lots of chariots out there. We heard the horses. They're out there. They're here to kill us. We got to go. Wow. Those of us who are saved are like these once sinful lepers that one day tasted the bread of life in the living water. And we ought to tell somebody. God confirmed his word. I got to quit. Let me just close with this. After World War II, history uh, records that Europe was overwhelmed with a lot of children. Didn't have a mom and daddy because they'd been killed. Orphanages were just exploding. And they were taking care of all of them. The humanitarian aid was there. They had shelter. They had clothes. They had food. They had medical supplies. All of those kids were being taken care of. But the nurses reported the kids would not sleep at night. Whatever they tried, they were restless and, and, and just nervous and anxious and fearful. And, and the caregivers said, we don't know what else to do. So a local doctor there in town where one of the orphanages was said, let's try this. Let, let's Let's give each child a piece of bread, not to eat, but to hold it after they were put to bed. Just hold a piece of bread. The results were astounding. The children slept through the night simply because they knew that they would have food when they woke up the next day. Holding that piece of bread brought security. You want to know why I know everything going to be all right? Because God's already promised it is. And my God doesn't go back on his promises. Now, if you choose not to believe him, you can choose to sit here and die. But I'm telling you, here's the deal. If you were born once, you're going to die twice. You're going to die physically, and then you're going to die at the great white throne judgment. You're going to be cast into outer darkness. But the good news is, if you're born twice, the flesh and the spirit, you're only going to die once. When you die and leave it, your last breath, can you imagine that lady yesterday? And bang, she's in heaven. Good Lord, have mercy. That makes me want to take the next train out of here. I mean, your first look in heaven. <laughs> 
I was just encourage you this morning. If you need Christ, I'm getting in your business. I'm telling you, today is a whosoever day. You need to be saved today. And then if you're here today and you know Christ, had a lady this morning join the first service, Dorinda, uh, 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 my mind blank, her sister, uh, Jennifer's, uh, Flank, yeah, yes. Anyway, she came down and joined, and she said, now, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And usually that means like Donnie and them from, from uh, Virginia. You know, they may be here for six weeks, and they may be here, and they're moving somewhere else. And I said, well, you know, just as long as you're here, and you know, we, we'll see what God does. And she said, I've got terminal cancer, and I'm not going to be here long. And I said, ma'am, you don't know how long you're going to be here. We've got a God who's able to defeat terminal cancer. I mean, I, he may and he may not. And she said, praise the Lord, either way, I'm ready. I'm ready to serve him and praise him here, or I'm ready to go there and praise him for eternity. Could you say that this morning? I'm ready. Either way. You know, Paul said it. Hey, I, I, I need to go. I want to go. But I need to stay here too, and I'm kind of tossed about between two positions. Well, why don't we just say, God, whatever you want for my life, that's what I want. There's some of us this morning, you've been saved. Your problem is you got that sitting disease. You hadn't got up and done anything. You hadn't baked a cookie for a neighbor in 30 years. Huh? You hadn't picked up a paper and thrown it at their house or anything. Even if you're mad, you can throw that thing at the house, hit the front door with it. Hey, I'm telling you, do something for the glory of God. Father, uh, we pray this morning in this service, Lord, that you would touch lives. We can't do anything about it. All we can do is proclaim the truth, and it's up to the power of your Holy Spirit to do all the rest. So I ask you, Lord Jesus, would you draw those that need to be drawn today? Lord, would you speak in a way, Lord, that is so hearable that people will not doubt what you're asking, but they'll say, yes, Lord Jesus. And Lord, most of all, I pray today that there's not a one in this building that you would pass over. God, you would speak to everyone from the youngest person in here to the oldest person in here. Speak to each one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you